Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And if you hit play on whatever device you're using, you found Let's Ride. Your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast is a part of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And wherever you get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow. We're everywhere where you get your podcasts. It's Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, wherever else there is. Platforms I don't even know exist. I guarantee if you just search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, you'll find us. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would appreciate a five-star rating. It helps us in the algorithms. It helps promote our product to everyone else. And we want to make sure the Ride or Die crew goes nationwide. Maybe it is already. I don't know. But still, I am really, really pumped up for this show. So if you follow me on Twitter, and you can, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T, on Friday, I was I was geeked out of my mind, geeked out of my flipping mind. So I had been working on a couple people to come on for the Monday morning conversation. That's something I've been doing the last three weeks. Uh, you know, I've had Chris Carter on, KT Smith. Last week, Jerry Cherry, the Jerry Cherry Band, who provides all our music, our intros and outros. And I was talking with Brian Anthony Davis, our podcast producer, and he said, you know what? I might have a former player that might be able to get us on. He had some connections, pulled some strings, and that's where today's Monday morning conversation stems from. In the second half of the show, folks, you are going to hear my interview, which was recorded on Friday, with one LaVon 
Kirkland. Now, there might be some youngsters out there. I know I have a few fans that are pretty young, and they might say, who in the heck is LeVon Kirkland? LeVon Kirkland was a starting inside linebacker for those legendary 1990s Blitzburg defenses, and you'll, you'll hear more from him in the second half of the show. It was a great interview. It was, believe it or not, my first interview with an NFL player, uh, and that's hard to believe. We've interviewed a lot of players, but for whatever reason, I've never been available to interview one of these guys. So I was really excited, and I was just out of my mind, just crazy when you think about growing up watching these players play. And then, you know, you're talking about games. I'm talking about games with LeVon Kirkland that shaped my childhood. No, not to like great extents, but they shaped my childhood. And so I was really excited to talk. And I'm hoping this is the beginning of something where I can bring in some other players similar to Mr. Kirkland and some other uh, other former Steelers just to get their insight, pick their brain. So make sure you check that out in the second half of this show. It's worth the wait. Trust me. Before we get to LeVon Kirkland's interview, though, if free agency starts today, folks. The legal tampering period is upon us. The 14th is when it's all going to begin. And in case you're wondering, let's say you didn't usually follow this close, and because maybe you listened to all our podcasts and you found our platform, now all of a sudden you're thinking, I want to know what's going on. What does this mean, the legal tampering period? What, what does this mean, and what is the difference between that and the start of the new league year? Let me explain it. So this would always happen every year. You would have agents and teams going behind closed doors, figuring out deals. And then all of a sudden, it was about four or five years ago, all these deals started to become, they were released. Uh, whether it was Adam Schefter, Tom Pellicero, Ian Rappaport, Jay Glazer, uh, Jason Lockenfora, all these NFL insiders started to get wind of these, these contracts, these deals that were being done. The NFL sitting there saying, well, wait, 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 wait. Ha- this cannot happen. The league year does not start until this day. This cannot happen. And so instead of enforcing it, they said, we might as well just make it legal. And that's where the legal tampering period begins. So what happens is the 14th of March, that is Monday, that is today, is when NFL teams and agents can start to negotiate. They can start picking up the phone and start calling. Now, they might have already had some preliminary conversations, but they can actually iron out details of a contract. Now, what will happen at this point is that even if they agree to terms, nothing becomes official until the new league year begins on the 16th, which is Wednesday. Now, the 16th, that's when you'll see the Steelers announce that they've signed X player, Y player, Z player to this contract, whatever, in which case most of the fans already heard about it three or four days ago. So the last thing I want to say before I get to the the crux of this podcast, which is going to be about where I think the Steelers' free agents are going to be staying or going, things can change. All we need to do is go back to last season with Tyson Alawalu. He was going to Jacksonville. He was out of here. And then a COVID-positive test forced him to stay in Pittsburgh. Teammates hitting him up saying, you shouldn't be doing this. You should stay. Coach is calling him, and he ends up backing out of that deal and signing with the Steelers. So even though most of these deals, I'd say the vast majority of these deals that are done during this legal tampering period are pretty much locked locked in, you just never know until the they've signed on that dotted line and it becomes official, in this case, on the 16th of March. But what about those Steelers free agents? That That's one thing that... I listen to all of our podcasts on our platform, and 
There's been some shows that have kind of talked about it a little bit. Most of the time, fans want to hear about those outside free agents. They want to hear about are they gonna, who are they going to bring in. We want some new faces. We want some fresh blood. I get it. I really do. I totally understand it. But I think that it's also important when you look at the Steelers' free agent list, which is lengthy. It is lengthy. What Which Steelers are going to stay? Which are going to go? Some are easy. Some are we really difficult. Now, before we get into this, and play the stay or go game, which reminds me of the song, should I stay or should I go now? Anyways, Arthur Millette and Miles Killebrew. One, Killebrew was on Friday, Millette was on Saturday. They both signed a two-year deal with the Steelers, therefore they are staying in Pittsburgh. That has not been made official yet, but that is the deal that's in place, so you won't hear me talking about them because they're going to be there. And Before fans start to think, like, oh my gosh, they're signing Killebrew. These are what we call insurance policies, folks two-year deal I guarantee you the cap hit is very very minimal in 2022 but look at someone like Arthur Millette if Cam Sutton is expected to be a starting cornerback for you you have Trey Norwood who can play the dime but you don't he cannot play the nickel he cannot play that slot and around the line of scrimmage he get pushed around you bring in Millette in case you can't find someone in free agency in case you don't find someone in the NFL draft you have him available that doesn't mean that he's not going to be any good. That doesn't mean that the Steelers aren't going to utilize him. What it does mean is he's going to have to earn a spot. Absolutely going to have to earn a spot. I think Killebrew's safe just based on special teams alone. But let's play the stay or go game. Here we go. Should I stay or should I go? Or should they stay or should they go? This is not me and what I would want them. This is what I think will happen for the Steelers. Let's start at the quarterback position. Joshua Dobbs is the lone free agent since Ben Roethlisberger's retirement. A lot of people think that Joshua Dobbs is going to be gone. I think that the Steelers are, if they're going to bring back Joshua Dobbs, it is not going to be right away. I think they're going to be patient. They're going to wait and see how free agency pans out. For instance, do they sign a quarterback, whether it's a Jacoby Brissett, who is rumored to the Steelers, uh, to be interested, the Steelers are interested in him, I should say, Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, whoever they get. That's going to depend on whether they bring back Joshua Dobbs. Also, the NFL draft. Do they draft a quarterback? Let's say they get a Mitchell Trubisky. They tender Dwayne Haskins, which reportedly happened. And then maybe they don't draft a quarterback. And then they they call up Joshua Dobbs and say, Hey, Josh, if you're not doing anything, we'd love to have you in camp. And maybe he comes in. But I think they're going to let him test the waters and see. So I'm going to say right now, Joshua Dobbs, stay or go. I think he goes. I think he tries to get an opportunity to be a backup somewhere. And I don't blame him. Don't blame him at all. Let's go to a very difficult position here. Wide receiver. Wide receiver. Listen to this. We're going to start least to greatest. We'll do it that way. So Ray Ray McLeod. Ray Ray McLeod has actually been brought up. I've seen his name reportedly showing interest on other teams. I am curious as to how the Steelers value Ray Ray McLeod. Ray Ray McLeod, return man, can kick return kicks and punts. I thought he was very good at that. Uh, he can play the slot. It's not his fault that he was targeted as many times as he was. Stay or go? I'm going to say Ray Ray McLeod ends up staying. I think they find a way to bring him back. Unless he gets some lucrative deal, I could see McLeod coming back. So stay or go? Stay. James Washington, I don't need to say too much here. I don't think there's any chance he comes back for some reason whether it's the relationship between the Steelers and James Washington or Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know, but I think James Washington stay or go. I think he's long gone. He go, go, go. And and that's fine. That is fine. He never panned out the way people thought he would. Uh, Even when Mason Rudolph was a quarterback in 2019, just never really 
develop the way that everyone thought. The toughest one and maybe the toughest call of all of these free agents, at least on the offensive side of the ball, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster. So if you heard the news on Saturday that the Cleveland Browns are trading for Amari Cooper, they've told Jarvis Landry he can seek a trade. I I called this on the Steelers preview last week. I said if he gets released, which, by the way, and if they don't want to keep him on the team and no one wants to trade for him, then eventually he'll get released. And so if he gets released... This is a situation where it's the same as Joe Hayden in 2017. They can say, we're just going to wait. Joe Hayden gets released a few hours later. He was a member of the Steelers. I could see something very similar happening here. When you think about Juju Smith-Schuster, how much is he going to cost? That's the question. I'm not interested in $8 I just don't think he's worth that much money a year. He played for one year for $8 million. I'm sorry. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen... Juju Smith, I love the kid. I really do. But I haven't seen him be that guy since Antonio Brown left. Since it was a dynamic receiver opposite him. I just haven't seen it. So Juju Smith-Schuster, I'm not saying that Jarvis Landry's going to come to Pittsburgh. I'm not saying he's going to be the answer. I, I would be happy if he did. But I'm going to say this is going to be, this is going to go against the grain with a lot of Steeler fans, and you might not like it. But stay or go, go. I think Juju Smith-Schuster goes. I don't think he stays. I think he sees a, a, a team without a quarterback, and he's looking for greener pastures. If he stays, fantastic. I'm not going to be upset. But at the same time, I think the value is going to be too much. I think he's going to look for a better spot. I say he goes. So out of those three receivers, I said Smith-Schuster gone, James Washington gone, Raven McLeod back. That's going to light a lot of people's fires this morning, I'll tell you that. All right, let's go to tight end Eric Ebron. Uh, a lot of people think this is a foregone conclusion he's gone, and I, I agree. I think the stay or go, he, he's a, he's a go. But I could see them, if he doesn't get any interest, I could see them doubling back and saying, hey, Eric, we could use another tight end. And with with Pat Fryermuth here, who you have a good relationship with, you know the system, you know the offense, we wouldn't be asking you to be the inline blocker. That would be Pat's job. I could see them doing that, but I'm not expecting it stay or go. I think go. Running back, Kalen Balaj. I mean, I never understood the signing in the first place. He did play a little bit. I'm going to say go. I think the Kalen Balaj is is a dime a dozen in the NFL. And I think that this is a player that they can do without. I I really do think it's a player they could do without. So for me, Kalen Balaj is a go. He is a go. Offensive line. Now we're looking at three players on the offensive line that are free agents. First, we're going to start with Trey Turner. Trey Turner is a guard. He was signed, obviously, right after the Steelers found out about David DeCastro not going to be back. And so Trey Turner, he did okay. I mean, it was a young offensive line. I didn't expect him to be that guy. But Trey Turner, though, I don't think he's going to be back. Stay or go, I have him as a go. B.J. Finney, very similar. He was hurt last year. I don't know what happened with B.J. Finney when he left Pittsburgh the first time, took that lucrative deal in Seattle, then ended up in Cincinnati, and then back in Pittsburgh. He is not the same player. He does not have the value. Stay or go, it's a go. And I think B.J. Finney's career is in jeopardy. I'm not sure if anyone would sign him unless there's an injury and they need someone off the street. But there's maybe it's his back. I don't know. But B.J. Finney, I have him as a go. Chooks Okorafor. I've talked about Chooks on my podcast before. I'm going to say this. If Okorafor returns to the team, I think it is only as a swing tackle. I don't think the Steelers are about to pay him starting tackle money, and I don't know if any team in the National Football League will. And so this could be a situation where if the Steelers say, hey, look, you can play left and right. 
you're going to go test the waters. If you don't find anything, we would be glad to have you back, but we're not going to pay you as a starter. But still, I think someone out there, because of his experience, he has a lot of starts under under his belt with the Steelers. Someone will pay him. I think Chooksakorafor is a go. That means all three offensive line free agents, Trey Turner, Chooksakorafor, B.J. Finney, gone. And if you look at the offense in general, the only players I have as a as a stay is Ray Ray McLeod. That's just what I think. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Montrevious Adams, he was the signing in the middle of the season last year with the he they picked him off off the New Orleans Saints practice squad, and I was very impressed with Adams. He's not the Casey Hampton type, but he has a he has a really good motor. We love that football term. He's he's actually faster than you think can get after the quarterback. I'd love to see him on those you know, third and longs where you could put him in there and let him really push the pocket. I actually think Montrevious Adams is a stay. I think the Steelers see some value there. If, and plus, if they could sign him to, say, a two- or three-year deal, you're assuming Alualu is going to be gone. He could help fill that void. So I think Montrevious Adams is a stay. Outside linebacker Taco Charlton. Uh, you, Derek Tushka it remains on the on the team. He's under contract. So right now the Steelers do have three outside linebackers on their roster with game experience for the Steelers in TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, and Derek Tushka. But for Mon, for Taco Charlton, I'd love to have him back, but only at a veteran minimum deal. So for me, I'm looking at outside linebacker. I'm looking at Taco Charlton, and I'm saying, hey, you didn't really light the world on fire. We'd love to have you back. Veteran minimum deal. If you play well, 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 it'll be a one-year contract. We'll put it that way. So if he plays well, then he can catapult that into another contract, whether it's with the Steelers or another team. Taco Charlton, I'm going to have him as a stay as well. But again, a very, very team-friendly deal. Now the defensive backs. Three players total. These are difficult. We're going to start with the cornerbacks. Joe Hayden. If you follow Joe Hayden on Twitter, it definitely seemed like the writing was on the wall that he is preparing himself to leave. He said that the last two stops, and meaning Cleveland and Pittsburgh, the fans have been fantastic. He said, you know, he basically said he's he's out of here. So the Steelers, I, I have a feeling, just based on his sudden change in demeanor on social media, that I have a feeling that the Steelers likely told Joe Hayden, we're not going to be able to get you what you want and what you think you're valuable valued. So... Good luck in free agency. I have a feeling that's what they did. And so I'm going to say Joe Hayden, stay or go? I think it's a go. I I hate to say it, but I think it's a go. The only way I see Joe Hayden coming back is if the Steelers and Hayden both agree to terms on a fair contract. I also, only the way I see Hayden coming back is if he goes out there on the free agent market and he has no bidders whatsoever. But Joe Hayden, I have him as a go. Akello Witherspoon, Akella Witherspoon is a young man that didn't start start off his career in Pittsburgh well, but finished the season strong. I think the Steelers see some serious value with Akella Witherspoon. I actually have them signing him. I think they see that if they could get him, they have Cam Sutton, you get a free agent, you maybe draft a corner. Now, all of a sudden, your secondary, especially a cornerback, is stocked, is, is stacked. It's it's all the, the, the cupboard is full and not bare. I actually think the Steelers sign Akello Witherspoon. They go with the younger player. He t- really turned it on well. They kept Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator that really helped him out. I have Akello Witherspoon as a stay. Stay or go? Stay. 
Now, safety, Terrell Edmonds. We all heard the rumors. I talked about him on Friday that if they can't retain Edmonds, maybe they go after someone like Jordan Whitehead of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they keep him. I think Terrell Edmonds values the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. I think that the Steelers find a way to bring him in. And I hate to say this to fans, but I unfortunately think that the you know the Witherspoon, Edmonds, those two players right there alone are going to be some of the high-profile signings for the Steelers in this offseason, in this free agency period. You're not going to want to hear that, but I just that's, that's what my gut tells me. So on the defensive side of the ball, you're looking at Edmonds, Witherspoon, Charlton, and Adams coming back. Could be interesting. We shall see. But I'm excited for the Monday morning conversation. I'm going to have LeVon Kirkland on. You're going to hear that interview right after this break. Stay tuned. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, Steeler fans, it's time for the Monday Morning Conversation, and I have a very special guest with me today, Mr. LeVon Kirkland. That's right, the former Pittsburgh Steeler inside linebacker. I do have a young fan base, and a lot of people might not know who Mr. Kirkland is, but let me give you a little bit of rundown. Went to Clemson, was an All-American, was drafted in 1992, 38th overall in the second round, and he turned his Steelers career, he was a two-time Pro Bowler, he was All-Pro once, second-team All-Pro, was a 1990s all-decade team member. And he didn't finish his career with Pittsburgh, but I, I still grow up and remember LeVon Kirkland roaming the inside of that steelers Blitzburg defense. LeVon, thank you for coming on the show. How are you doing? Uh, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, matter of fact. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Now, my first question for you might seem a little odd, and displaced, but I'm curious because when I when I think back to your playing days at Three River Stadium, you mm-hmm. were such a monster in the middle. And I know you right. still follow football, but these linebackers in the inside now are so much smaller than what you were when you played. I mean, I looked up some stats like Devin Bush, the Steelers inside linebacker right now, is 5'11, 234. Ryan Chazier before him, 6'1, 230. James Ferrier, 6'2, 243. Larry Foote, 6'1, 239. You think you could play in your prime if you were transported to today's game? Do you think your game would translate into 2021, 2022? Surprisingly, I think it would translate. As an inside linebacker? Yeah, I know you're looking at the size, but, I mean, I want you to look at as far as cover skills are concerned, as far as running from sideline to sideline. I felt like I can do it just as well as anyone else could. So I think it would translate. And I really think guys that played in one era could play in another era because it's about the person, how disciplined they are, how they, the mindset. 
of a player. So I, I think with my mindset and how disciplined I was that I could play it in, you know, in the era, you know, in the future. So, yeah, I feel like I could play. Yeah. And I know a know, lot of people probably wouldn't think so, but I feel like I could. When they saw you on the field, those big bulky shoulder pads, the the neck roll and everything, and the big giant face mask, it looked different. But boy, you were a sideline to sideline player. And those that watched you play knew that. So I'm glad you brought that up and you were able to cover. I want to talk about 1992. You were selected, obviously, in the second round, as I said. It was Bill mm-hmm. Cowher's first year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Correct. Um, tell me a little bit about Coach Cowher, whether it was your rookie year coming in with him and I'd just love to hear your take on Coach Cower as the Steelers coach and what he meant to you at the beginning part of your career. Yeah, I wanted to play for him. Uh, the first time that we did an interview at the Combines, the Steelers was the team I wanted to play for. Even so that when the 38th pick came up, I went into the bathroom and I self-manifest that I'm, they're going to pick me, they're going to pick me, they're going to pick me. I went back to my kitchen table sat down, the phone rang, and sure enough, I was picked the 38th pick. No, his his enthusiasm, I think his youthful spirit, I think the fact that he played in the NFL uh, was attractive. And, you know, normally most NFL coaches at that time, they were strictly business, you know. It wasn't no uh, give me a high five, give you a hug for doing a good job. It was like, well, it's your job. He's supposed to do that. But I just like his energy. And I think it was really spread throughout that 92 season because I think before that, the team was kind of in turmoil a little bit. Yeah. And he came in, he kind of really, I think he re- refreshed the culture and he can relate to the players. So he was definitely a player's coach. The guys really enjoyed playing for him. It was a lot of fun. It really was. And you know, if you did something good, man, he was going to be there with you celebrating. So it was, it was a lot of fun. The the things that you see some coaches do now, uh, he was doing it way back then. Did you notice a change in coach Cower from his first year, 92 to your last year in 2000? I mean, that eight year span, was he still just the same exuberant guy or was he someone that kind of started to calm down and kind of settled into the role as a head coach? No, his energy was always good, and I, I think he was always situ- situational. Um, he was calm and cool when he needed to be, and then you know he got excited when he felt it was time to get excited. So I don't, I don't really, I didn't really see that big of a change. Okay, in him. fair enough. I, I thought that he kind of stayed pretty much the same from my first year to my last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. My next question for you is about the fact that you played on one of the best defenses in Steelers history, that Blitzburg defense, and you played with some phenomenal players on that defense, whether you're talking about Rod Woodson, Carnell Lake, Chad Brown, who played next to you for years, Greg Lloyd, Kevin Green. Is there one player during your time in Pittsburgh that stood out that you would kind of just kind of be in amazement of what they could do on the football field? Just one of your teammates that was just, wow, like that guy was really, really good. Wow, they were all pretty good. (laughs) And I was amazed at everything they could possibly do. I I would say the one guy that I don't think gets enough credit is Carnell Lake. Mm. It's unheard of for a guy to play safe. Well, he played outside linebacker at UCLA to move 
to safety. That was incredible. But then, then moved to cornerback. Yeah. That was amazing. I mean, it's an amazing feat. I mean, I, you, do you ever see many safeties that can move the cornerback? The list is short. I mean, we'll put it and that I'm way. talking about in the <laughs> middle of the year, not, you know, uh, I'm talking about a guy who had to adjust on the fly. And he did a pretty good job. Played so, at a really high level there, too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I thought Lake was uh, tremendous. Rod to me, Rod Wilson was just special to me. I mean, just uh, probably the best athlete that I played with, yeah, of all time. And golly, I mean, you know, Joe C was a guy that in that nose guard that just did a tremendous job, really helped us out a whole lot. And I'm gonna tell you, I, I like Jason Gildon too, man. A lot of people don't think of Jason Gildon, but Jason Gildon, I thought he could do. He was more. He was better all around than Kevin and Greg was. Wow. As okay. Far as he can stop the run. Yeah. Uh, he knew what he was doing as far as coverage was concerned. And he could rush the passer pretty well. So Jason Gildon was uh, definitely a star, man. But it was so, it was so many stars on that defense. Just hard for, it was just hard for you to get to your pub. It really was. And I, I think it was probably because your teams never won a Super Bowl that a lot of those players don't get the credit necessarily when they compare it to other teams, other, you know, the early 2000s. I mean, Jason Gilden was the, the all-time sack leader in Steelers history until James Harrison broke his record, which was broken by TJ Watt this past season. But uh, just some right. tremendous athletes. And I wanted to ask you, you know, you in your time in Pittsburgh, there were only three years you didn't make the playoffs, 98, 99, and 2000. Out of all those years, I mean, the 94 loss to San Diego in the AFC Championship game was a tough one, obviously, Super Bowl 30 in 95. Is there a team, because there's you listen to the 70 Steelers, and they'll talk about how some of the best teams they felt they had didn't win at all. Is there a mm-hmm. year that you look back on and say, that was probably the best team of that era when I was in Pittsburgh? Yeah, the 94 team. <laughs> yeah. The, the team that I felt like, man, we – I thought that uh, we were going to the Super Bowl. I really felt that way. We were tremendous on – that was the best defense I think we had. Yeah. Um, we had – I think everybody on that defense, the starting defense had a sack that year. Even Deion Sanders had a – I mean, Deion Biggers had a sack. So, to me, that was the team. 94. That, that was, was team. That was – that was as a as a young man growing up in, in the that area. That was the team. That was also a gut wrenching defeat uh, to watch. It was. And it really was. Stan Humphreys and, and, you know, and the Chargers. Yeah, that was bad. And, and the thing was too, it was just they made big plays. Yep, they made two or three big plays. That was it. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, we pretty much stopped them. Uh, we just we we just it's one of those things that you never give a team feel. You never give them something to play more about. I mean, it was already a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And then, you know, if you think that, oh, we're going to just run, we're just gonna beat this team, you can never think that way. And I think that was our mindset, that we're going to beat San Diego. And they played well enough to beat us. They made two big plays especially that, yeah. that, really, that really put us under. I mean – I think we played those guys nine, nine, nine out of ten times. We'll be nine out of ten times. That one yeah. time. 
<laughs> that, that one time. <laughs> now let's go to 95 though. 95 was a different. I mean, what was the vibe on the team after 94, that horrible loss that you just mentioned in the AFC championship game, you have the crazy AFC championship game against Indianapolis at three mm-hmm. rivers with captain comeback Harbaugh. And you get to the super bowl, heavy underdogs. What was the vibe on the Steelers team heading into that one? You talked about how confident you were in 94, but what was the vibe on 95? Well, you know, we started off three and four. So it wasn't a great start for us, but we came back together and, you know, Bill Cowher just did a great job as far as coaching was concerned because he said, hey, we're just going to start this year over from this game. So we, we, we forgot about our first seven games and we just kind of, we won against Jacksonville, played an overtime game against Chicago, won that game. And we, I think we won like maybe six games after that. And we were a little bit of a, we were more mature. Yeah. Uh, a mature team. We knew what it took to get in. We knew how close we were the year before. And so um, there was no way um, the Colts were going to beat us, but boy, it was a tough game. It was just a tough game. I mean, they played well too, Yeah, but we, we gutted it out. And when we got to Dallas, we, we were kind of, you know, we knew that we were underdogs, but we didn't, feel that way we felt like hey we could we could play with these guys we, we really felt that way we felt like um our defense was good enough to stop them and it didn't look like it at first but once we calmed down uh we we actually played excellent against those guys so we felt like we were going to do it and you know you just can't you can't make turnovers against a team like that we gave them 14 points off turnovers other than those 14 points we probably would have won that game. And then even one of the scores that they gave Emmitt Smith the touchdown, he didn't score on that play. So, yeah, we felt we, we felt like we had a good chance. And I think the way we played proved to us that we did. We just came up short. Were you surprised Rod Woodson was able to play in that game after tearing his not, ACL? Not really. Really? Not okay, really, that's because no. that, as a fan, I was like, "This is insane! Like, this is this is incredible." But as a, as a teammate, you weren't you weren't surprised. Rob was Rob was crazy determined, you know. And so, if you knew Rod and his competitive spirit, you're not that surprised. Yeah, I give I'll give you that. Now I want to bring up. Unfortunately, you know, you talk about this the Super Bowl loss and the turnovers, and we know that was Neil O'Donnell. I want to run through the names of the quarterbacks that were leading passers during your time in Pittsburgh. So Neil O'Donnell from 92 to 95, Mike Tomzak in 96, Cordell Stewart, 97 and 98 and 99 was Tomzak again. And then Cordell Stewart in 2000. That's a long list. This is definitely the, what we call as fans, the Bradshaw to Ben era where you just didn't really have that one consistent, but the defense was always consistent. The defense was always so good and so dominant I want to ask you as a defender, what does it do to a defense and to you individually when you're seeing an offense that might be struggling and you're out there doing your job? And I say this because I feel like the Steelers team right now is going to be going through something similar with the defense that they have and the players that they have on that side of the ball. What is it? What is the feeling in the defense? Is it to they got to they have to do it all and win the game or is it frustration and does it kind of ever boil over? Well, I think that as a human being, you're you could be easily frustrated. But I think that you have to take the mindset of, you know, we'll do what we have to do to win. And I think back then you could do it a little bit better because, you know, the game was more so inside the box, a lot more running, not as much scoring. 
So your defense had a shot at winning the game. So you can play great defense. Your offense didn't have to be that great. I think now that your your offense has to be able to score points. Your offense has to be able to at least put up 28 to 30 points a game. If you're not doing that, it's tough for defenses now to stop offenses because the middle of the field is not the defense anymore. Back when I played, the middle of the field was the defense. <laughs> if you came across the middle or something like that, you, you're going to get rocked. Yeah. The offenses knew it. They let you get away with a little bit more on defense. Now you can't really do it. So it's always good to have a good defense, but I think the game today is it's harder to stop offenses. Yeah. Quarterbacks feel more confident. They, they know they're not going to get hit. So they're going to stay in the pocket or they're going to take off running down the middle. Back in our day, man, you would never find a quarterback that say, okay, I'm just going to take it down the middle. I'm just going to run. Because he knew that, man, he's going to get his head taken off. So yeah. it's a different game. It is. It's, Cordell had a couple a runs. Game. Cordell had a couple runs up the middle. where Cordell, he ran, he Cordell was exceptional, I, I felt, uh, yeah. a little bit before his time. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think nowadays I think it's tough yeah. to stop offenses. It really is. I mean, unless they do something different, I feel like this trend is going to go on for a while. Speaking of the current game and the current team, you know, you've obviously moved on from Pittsburgh and uh, do you still, do you still follow the team? And if so, uh, what are your thoughts on the team as Ben Roethlisberger retires and moving forward with Mike Tomlin at the helm and Kevin Colbert, possibly calling it a career as a general manager? What, I don't know. Do you still follow the Steelers? Oh yeah. You know, I, I still do. I, I feel like, you know, the great thing about the Steelers is the organization has been really good for years. And they got really good people at the top. Yeah. From the owners to the head coach. And normally when you do have a, a good organization from the leadership standpoint, you, your, your team is usually good. I probably would. I think now the trend is you've got to take a little bit more risk as far as the draft and free agency is yeah. concerned. I think that you have to be able to say even risk draft picks. And one time touching draft pick was like unheard of. I think now you may have to consider getting rid of your first round pick or your second round pick. If you can get a guy that's amazing, then that could, that can get it done. It's almost like college football is now the transfer portal. If you can get a guy that can come in and help you right away, you may take some risks as far as your draft picks are concerned because you really don't know if the draft picks are going to work out anyway. You know, what's the second and third pick in 2024? Yeah. You don't know. You're right. <laughs> but I know we can get a guy right now that can absolutely help us uh, win a championship. What do you do? I don't know if you can really build anymore so much. I, you still can build, but I don't know if it's like it was back in the past. Like when I came in in 92, we had Leon Searcy, myself, and Joel Steed, first three picks. Then the next year you had, uh, I want to say you had Chad Brown, you had Deion Figures, uh, and you built that way. You know, we had Darren Perry on our team. We You built through the draft. I, first, I think the first three years I was there, the first three picks were guys who ended up being starters. 
I don't know if you can do that anymore. Yeah. And when you see trades like the one with Russell Wilson in Denver, where multiple first round picks, multiple second round picks are going, you have to ask yourself, is this the new trend? And you might be right. I want to finish this interview and I want to thank you for your time, but I want to ask you this one question. You know, you played with Pittsburgh from 92 to 2000. You went to Seattle, still registered over a hundred tackles there with the Seahawks. And then you finished your career in Philadelphia and you did make it to the NFC championship in that game. I want to ask you what's the, in your opinion, after going to all those other teams, what is the difference between Pittsburgh and other teams, the cities, and even the organizations? I mean, I, you only spent one year in those other locales. So I don't want to, it's going to be skewed a little bit, but what is the, what is the ultimate difference there in your opinion? I, I thought that Pittsburgh just had a standard that was ingrained, not only, um, not only from a publicity standpoint, and that's just what you say, but I think that uh, there was a standard there that you really, as a player, took ownership. Uh, I thought Seattle and Philly were good places when I went there to play. It wasn't bad places, but they weren't quite what, to me, they didn't really measure up um, as far as what the Steelers did. Four championships, and if you were a linebacker, my God, <laughs> you had to really kind of live up to, you know, what the standards that Lambert and Ham set and Russell. Yeah. Uh, and so you really took a lot of pride in, especially on defense. Uh, the Steelers defense just took pride in what they did. And you could not step on that field unless you were ready to take that kind of ownership and play up to a certain standards. When I was there, if you didn't play up to Greg and, and Rod standards, you couldn't play. Forget yeah. what the coaches said. <laughs> if you couldn't play to if you didn't satisfy Greg and Rod, then you you weren't gonna play. That's great. So I, I just think really the standards was the thing that set the Steelers apart from those teams that I played on, even though those teams were not bad teams at all. But I think the standards at Pittsburgh, when you expect to win every single game. When I was at Seattle, there were some games like you just kind of knew you were going to win. And that's why we were kind of, you know, kind of average. Philly was a good team and they expected to win. But I'm I'm telling you, those nine years I was with Pittsburgh, no matter how we were, we were expected to win. Yeah. Well, I thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I'd love to have you on again, maybe during the season and talk about the, uh, the Steelers and the 2022 season. But uh, is there any way that, like, what are you doing now? What Can fans find uh, you anywhere uh, or anything like that? Man, I'm doing so much now. Um, <laughs> I, am... I know you're still glued <laughs> with Clemson. You're still in with Clemson. No, you know, actually I do uh, South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, which I'm vice president of development, and we educate, empower, and um, encourage our student athletes here. We're 43rd as far as college and career readiness. So that's just not good enough for us. And so yeah. we are trying to help improve that through the game of football. Also, I am I am doing um, – I'm getting my master's degree. Fantastic. Um, four classes short, so I'm, I'm getting there. I also – I do a lot of – I do speaking engagements. I do rivals camps, if you can really see. Yeah, I do yeah. rival camp yep. also. <sighs> that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, you can find me on – uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I think it's Levine Kirkman underscore 44. Very good. Or something like that. Very so um, if you kind of type Levine Kirkman, you'll find me. Well, thank so, you yeah, very I'm much. I'm doing a great deal of stuff. And then plus I'm doing my own podcast. Um, 
believe in Clemson football with LeVon Kirkland and also the inside blitz with LeVon Kirkland. Nice. Well, so, check that uh, out. The inside blitz, you know, kind of plays off the blitz, the, the Blitzburg teams that I, I was on. So, well, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, it's great to talk to a former player. So have a great day and uh, we'll be looking out for you. All right, then. Be good. All right, you do. Oh, man, a big, big thank you to LaVon Kirkland for taking the time to just talk with me. Uh, he made me feel really comfortable and at ease. I, I loved his answers about Bill Cowher, uh, about his time in Pittsburgh, the difference between Pittsburgh and uh, other, other cities, his stop in Seattle, his stop in Philadelphia. And I loved his answer. And I really hope this would kind of ring with the current team is that when he said the pressure was to perform for players like Rod, talking about Rod Woodson and Greg, talking about Greg Lloyd, he said that was more pressure than anything else. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So I hope you loved it too. I hope you enjoyed that Monday morning conversation. Next week we'll be back with someone else. I'll figure that out and let you know as soon as possible. But in the meantime, make sure you're looking out for that mailbag tweet. That's every Tuesday around noon. I put it out there and it's just, hey, I need those questions for the Wednesday mailbag segment. You can follow me on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And you know how we finish it out here, folks. As always, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great day. Have a great start to your week. We will see you on Wednesday. Go Steelers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.